Welcome to the Pages of Light podcast, your destination for discussions of popular fantasy and science fiction novels from a Christian worldview. My name is Tyler, aka Verum, and with me today, as he was in the past two episodes, uh, Gabriel, aka the Quarantine Quartermaster. Uh, he's a good What's friend up, of guys? mine. Yeah, welcome, Gabe. He's a good friend of mine from the local church that we attend, and uh, yeah, it's good to be back with another episode. I'm uh, I'm excited to be here. I've been um, listening to this book nonstop for like a month. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I, I've thought about it a good amount, and uh, it's it's such a fun read, so I'm excited to start the discussion. Yeah, well, I didn't actually say what we were reading, so we are going to be reading or talking about uh, <clears throat> Elantris by Brandon Sanderson, um, follow-up from Warbreaker, which is what we did the past two episodes. Um, so if you are interested in hearing that discussion, make sure you go back and check out those episodes as well. Um yeah, so today we're going to be doing specifically just the characters. So there's uh, Raiden, Serini, and Harathan. Those are the main three. And then we might discuss some of the other side characters that interact with those uh, main three as well. Um, yeah, make sure you follow Pages of Light on all sorts of social channels. We're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Rumble, MeWe. I'm on Goodreads, uh, all sorts of things. So you can follow us over there. You can also head over to our website, pagesoflight.com. And uh, yeah, you can check out our blog there. We have all, a lot of our videos up there as well and links to the podcast and stuff. So check all of that stuff out. And yeah, we're just going to jump into this first episode here, uh, looking at Elantris. And we're just going to just give you our general thoughts on just the book as a whole. Gabe, you want to kick us off with that? All right. So... Imagine that you wake up one morning and your skin has gone dark and black splotches are appearing all over your body. And then you're kidnapped and you're dumped in a city where other people like you live. And so, but this place is like a living hell. So if you like say stub, stub your toe and you know how much that hurts when you like hit a corner and you weren't expecting it and you're like, ah, or step, and then on just a, imagine, step on a Lego uh, piece. Oh, yes. Yeah. And uh, and so you go to this place and you and you feel that pain. But then the pain never stops. It never goes away. Um, and then I forget the name of the people who have just like gone crazy from the amount of pain that they're in. They have like a mantra. They're called like the. The Hoed or something. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. The, um. So you don't want to become one of those. So you have to be very careful about not getting injured uh, in this place called Elantris. Um, so if you haven't read the book, that's kind of um, one of the locations in the book. It's the most magical location. Um, but I just wanted to kind of open with that to give people a frame of reference of, yeah. you know, that's the part that people will have the most trouble, like wrapping their heads around. <laughs> yeah. If they have like a the book. It's like a lost city lost magic system kind of story where you're there trying to figure out what caused the magic system or like the magic to go away and how they can get it back. <clears throat> so that's mm -hmm. basically like a general, that's like the general thing across the whole book that they're trying to at least read. And that's what Raiden is trying to do the whole book essentially. 
Yeah, he's like trying to like redeem the city because it was once glorious and now it's this yeah. dead waste zone. Because when you catch the Sheod, and that's what makes your skin turn dark, it used to be a blessing. When the magic worked, your skin actually turned silver and you had magical powers. So yep. who doesn't want that? <clears throat> uh, but now this the city has fallen into disrepair and um, Raiden's trying to restore it and redeem it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, did you did you enjoy the book in general? What did you What are your just oh, general gosh, thoughts? Yeah. 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 Uh, Brandon Sanderson is such a world builder. Yeah. I just so enjoyed walking with all of these characters, and then like I couldn't figure out Elantris right away, and that's where Raiden. Um, yep. He's like a prince, and uh, he catches the Sheod, and he's put in Elantris, and then he kind of starts taking control of there's like gangs and stuff in there and uh he just leads through like being the perfect person like the paragon of like moral choice and he doesn't lean on his heritage at all he's not like i'm the king's son listen to me he's just like people will follow me because i'm good um and i and like they know that i'm for them and not like for myself yeah so i i just i just love the story i think it's i think it's great yeah, awesome. What did you think, yeah, Mr. Vera? Uh, I also really enjoyed this book. Um, I know, um, like, like watching other booktuber people or watching other people talk about Brandon's books and, like, people doing, like, tier lists and stuff where they rank all of Brandon's Cosmere books. Elantris is usually, you know, kind of, like, in a C tier. Like, they don't think it's one of some of his best work. Um, but, I don't know, I, I really did enjoy this story and just <clears throat> I don't know, I think it was just all the characters are really interesting and that's basically what this book is really focused on is just the characters and their story and what their thought process is and why like their motivations for doing what they're doing and um, just really hearing about their inner monologue and like hearing about like how they approach situations and how they think about situations and how they solve problems and um, it is definitely a slow burn. Like there's not a lot of action. Like we talked about in our previous episodes on Warbreaker about how there's not a ton of action in Warbreaker until the very end. And mm-hmm. this is kind of like the same deal where there's not a ton of really super engaging action until the very end. Um, but like when the action comes, like it really, really hits hard. And uh, yeah, I think the ending was really really good and even so like even brandon's first published book kind of has like this he has the trademark like things it's called sander lanch where like the last you know 100 pages or so <laughs> is like a just like a torrential downpour of like insane stuff action that's happening. and like yeah i like totally blown away by these like monks who have been deformed yeah. by this like horrific painful process and they're like built to kill and yep. obey orders and um attacking the city it's just crazy yeah <laughs> yeah so i thought it was really good um and at the end i have the the 10th anniversary edition on here and the in that brandon has a a post script that he wrote i don't know if you were able i don't know if the audiobook has that in there or not but yes it did um it did okay um, I'm wondering what you're going to talk about, <laughs> but his, his postscript had this really good quote in there about, um, like what really the book is all about. And it says, 
it was the contemplative book about a man trying to be trying to rebuild society among wretches a woman who refuses to be defined by the, the role society heaps upon her and a priest having a crisis of faith and yeah i think that's the, really the heart of this book is just those oh that's three, such a good summary yeah, yeah those three stories well it comes from him it makes sense yeah i mean he wrote the book so he would know right <laughs> yeah so yeah i think that's just that was a really good nugget a really good quote just to kind of like summarize what the book is really about and it's it's not necessarily about um the story it's about what the how the characters react to what's happening around them and how they all um like rise above their situation to um you know pursue virtue and pursue uh like living rightly you know so yeah i thought it was great yeah um it's fun to like because it's not the stereotypical like action like you know you were telling me about stormlight archive and like how much more action there is in that um but still like this is an amazing world that brandon built here and yeah uh, yeah i mean stormlight books aren't like all action they're so much longer though so that there's more action but as a part of as a percentage of the book it's probably still um, a small percentage although some some books have more action than others but we'll get there eventually Yep, all things in time. Yes. All right, let's uh, jump into, because we're doing characters this episode. So we're just going to do, we'll start with Raiden. And basically, Raiden is a, there's a kingdom, it's called Arlon, Arlon, something like that. And Raiden is the prince of Arlon, his father is the king. And the very, I think it's the prologue of the book. Uh, we follow Raiden as he gets the the Shayod, the the curse of Elantris, as it were. So he wakes the up. <clears throat> yeah, the Shayod. So he gets his this blotchy skin. His hair starts to kind of fall out, and that's what Gabe was talking about earlier in the cold open, where he's he's basically just taken. All of his possessions are burned, and then he's just cast into into the city of Elantris, and he's just there to fend fend for himself, to live or die, or you know, once you get cast into Elantris, the people outside don't really care what happens to you. So um, he's just been cast in there. And yeah, and it's kind of like a, a feudal society. There's like a few like gangs in Elantris, and it's just yeah. kind of like if you don't do what you're told, um, <laughs> we're, we're going to beat you up. And that's yeah. the ultimate threat because you don't stop feeling <clears throat> when you get beat up. Like if you got yeah. punched in the stomach, oh, man. That hurts. Yeah. And to never recover from that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that I've been punched in the stomach in a real fight or anything. But <laughs> I'm just saying, like, as an example. But, like, whenever Raiden goes in, he uh, meets this guy named Galadon, and he asks him to, like, take him and help him, basically, like, tell him to help him to learn about Elantris and what's going on and kind of get his bearings. And they're running away from this other gang that's trying to, like, take Raiden's food. Because whenever you enter Elantris, they give you like a little bag of basket of food or something to take with you. But these gangs wait for people to come in and then they steal the food from them. So they're running away from this gang and Raiden, he hits his toe on like a rock or something. And like even at the end of the book or like towards the end of the book, he's still like, oh, yeah, my toe still hurts. So like, oh, no, like the the description at the end was so good. It was like at 
he didn't even feel his feet anymore. It was just like yeah. balls of agony on the yeah, yeah. ends of like his legs. Like he could yeah. no longer feel his feet. I was just like, oh, that sounds so terrible. Yeah. So it's interesting. Elantris is like, uh, like there's the physical aspect of like your pain doesn't go away. Your heart stops beating, but you don't die. You, you can't mm-hmm. eat, you can eat food, but it doesn't satisfy your hunger. Um, but you're, you'll, so you'll be hungry forever, but you'll still never die. Um, but there's also like the mental aspect of Elantris where like you have to deal with any pains that you get. And so like, you basically just have to like train your brain to like ignore the pain in a way. Um, but of course, well, at some point so, there's too much pain and you can't handle it anymore. And then that you become, you like go well, insane. Tyler, I think. Sorry, yeah, I uh, was getting excited to talk because I am totally on board with what you're saying. Um, And that also leads to why, um, you know, Rayadin, this prince, ends up leading the people. And it's kind of like, I feel very Christian. Like, once people have found their purpose, he was like, he started recruiting people and putting them to work, saying, you're going to clean the slime off the, uh, yeah, you know. You're going to clean the floors. Yep. Yep. And he had the one guy, the jeweler that came to Elantris becomes um, a shoemaker because yep. having comfortable shoes and not getting blisters is important. Or stubbing um, so, your toe. <laughs> and I almost equate that to like finding your purpose like with God. Because once you like find that, he's saying like the pain is melting away, even though they're not healing, but because they are like yeah. moving towards something. Yep. And not just like sitting in the pain that they have. Yeah. Or even like in ministry, like if you're trying to recruit volunteers to do something in ministry, like you have to give them like a unified purpose, like a mission, a goal, or like what we're working for or why we're doing what we're doing. And if you don't have that, then like there's not really like a reason to volunteer. You know what I mean? It's like you're doing it for nothing essentially. But if you like, if you're all together, you're all striving towards something and some kind of goal together as a body of Christ. So then it's like, you can, you can go through adversity and still stay unified on your goal and your mission. Um, so yeah, I think that was a, that was a good parallel. And I liked his, like that leadership quality about him because every person he met, he was like, Oh, I've been waiting for somebody exactly like you. I've been looking for somebody just like you with your skills. Hey, isn't that what God would say to each one of us? Yeah, exactly. Isn't, like I have been waiting for you it's yes. like, to meet God. God's like, I've been waiting right here for you to come and say hello. Yeah. And I know exactly what I want to do with you. Yeah, exactly. Um, like he gave us all of these skills and abilities and he's waiting for us to just come to him and say, Oh yeah, I, I can, you can use my gifts. Right. And God is like, yes, of course I can use your gifts and we're going to be all in this mission together. We're going to uh, pursue something important. Back to the jeweler, I'm thinking exactly like you're thinking. Like, he's given this skill set to be, he can make anything with his hands. And he's he wants to make the luxury item something, you know, yeah. jewelry is something that you have, like, when you live in luxury, right? Um, or, or, like, fancy stuff. And then it goes yep. to making something very practical, like a shoe. Yep. And I think that just speaks to, like, how when it does, like, 
what you do it, you do it for God. It doesn't matter if you're making the diamonds and the jewelry or if you're making the shoes. Like yeah. no matter where you are in life, you just do it for God and you get like excited about it and you do it well. Yeah. Yeah, there's I don't remember the passage, but there's a, a passage in the New Testament thing. It's Paul where he's saying about talking about spiritual gifts or something, like you're do everything for the glory of God no matter what uh your what your calling is it's all for the glory of god so whether you're doing you know if you're a superstar athlete if you're a musician if you're a janitor if you're you know a librarian like you know whatever put your thing in your in the box and all of those things are for the glory of god and to benefit other people around you so i totally identify with that because i lived that out for two years um i worked for a person who um, just challenged me in ways that I never, like, I'm so used to just working the way that I work. And this was a very like stringent sort of, um, like need to have every I dotted, every T cross sort of thing, yep. or you're in big trouble. And I've never had that level of scrutiny before. And then I just turned to the Bible in that situation and like, this is for God. And I'm going to try and do it the way that my boss is uh, asking me to do it because that's what God wants me to do. He wants me to grow and to try and be like that. And that was tough. Yep. I even told him one time, <laughs> I was like, I cursed your name, but I did it anyway. <laughs> and, uh, he laughed at me, uh, which was funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, it is, it is not easy to follow God. I mean, that was, um, Something that I tried very hard to do was to make my boss happy. And I still don't think I got it right. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I don't know. Anything else? I'm trying to think about different things Raiden did. Um, yeah, I think he does not, he's not like using his uh, position of authority to get recruits. He's using his charisma and his... Um, like his wisdom and his just uh good engagement wisdom is with a good people. word yeah so like raiden's always kind of like he's always looking ahead he's never um content with the way things are he's always trying to make improve things and make people better make people um uh like see see how he sees the world and have them have a vision as well so not not, it's not that he just has a vision, that he inspires other people to also have vision as well. And I think that's a really good sign of a leader where you can have other people buy into your mission and to uh, like get them to see something that maybe they couldn't see before. Um, yeah. Yeah. And to be able to do that with people and to inspire them, like that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so Raiden definitely... Um, so also in the 10th anniversary, there's a section about the mad prince. Yes. Did you read that section? Uh, I did not, unfortunately, cause I, I'll give you a quick summary. So, okay. um, basically the, this is a character that got wrote out of the final edition. So he yep. goes through like, um, Brandon Sanderson did like 10 different drafts yep. and he said, I'm usually a one drafter. And he said, this one was like 10. Um, and so it was 
Raiden's brother, and the main reason Brandon wanted to write him into the world was to explain how Raiden became who he was. His brother was always like tormenting him, and Raiden yep. had to figure out clever ways to like use the rules of his brother's game, the Mad Prince, um, and like like use the rules against that he created against him, and that's how. Um, he became this like resilient person who's able to deal with difficult situations. And, you know, like you said, the wisdom of what to do in a given situation. Yep. Um, so that, that was an interesting uh, thing that was included. Uh, it's always fun to like peek behind the curtain, you know? Yep. Um, and he said he tied up like the loose ends with characters he had already created. He thought it was too much to introduce this person this late in the game. Yeah. I did read the little part in the beginning, the explanation, but I didn't read all of the different stuff within. Um, <laughs> transparency. I finished this book last night at like 9.30, so I didn't have, I was like, I don't have time to read that section, unfortunately, but um, <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Do you have any other thoughts on just Raiden or do you want to move on to the next character? Uh, I think I think we just a little bit more context uh, just for Raiden. He is, what's the word we want to use? Promise to Sereni in a marriage contract. Oh, yes. Um, He's betrothed. Betrothed, okay. And then Raiden um, contracts or gets the Sheod, and then he's moved into a Lantris. But he's basically in line to be the king yeah. of the country or whatever. Yep. Um, so just, I wanted to throw that in for context. And um, yes. Should we go for the direct spoiler about the magical system? Um, yeah, with Raiden. Yeah. Sure, yeah, go for it. He's like the he's going to be like the granddaddy of the magic system because yep. the um he figures out that the magic is tied to the land. And so the way that they draw the characters that summon the magic through the door, um they, they the like Aeon write door. these yeah, the Aeon door. Yep. Um, so they write characters in the air and it glows. And because the physical geography of the land has changed, so the um, the alphabet that they use and all the characters that they use had to adapt as well. And that's why the mag magic system broke 10 years before. And now he starts doing like crazy magic at the end. He like transports himself like... Yep. Like what was the metric? Like a yeah, hundred like, like million one, one, steps. It was like one million something. But then he had to like cut it in half, I think, because the little kid who told him the number uh it had was like half half his stride. Length. Yeah, something. And they had to rely on the Sion to like give the exact direction and they're kinda like a supernatural like helper creature, so like you could trust it to be right. It doesn't it just knows the actual truth about where that location is. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, and so, like, if there are more Elantris books, like, he's going to be doing the craziest stuff because he's the one who's done the research. He's figured out, yep. like, if you want to heal somebody, you have to tell the magic to heal like a specific part to like yep. focus it. Um, and someone dies that way, and Rayodin like 
you know, feels bad because he's like, it was on me. He's like taking responsibility. Like I should have yep. known how to like direct the magic into the broken parts of this man's body to save him. Yep. And I, and that's just the man that Rayodin is. He like takes the responsibility. Like I should have yep. known, like yep. I could have done better. And he grows. He stayed up late and started studying that stuff so that if he was ever in that situation again. Yep. And again, that just speaks to who he is as a man and as a person. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the, and the only way he was able to do that and have that much study was because he was able to build like a new civilization within Elantris that could like run and sustain itself on its own. So like he put other people in yeah. charge of all the things that he used to do and he had all this free time now because he basically created a self-sustaining society. And so now he had the time to go and study and try to figure out what happened with the ma- with the uh, magic and why it broke. But actually, clarification, it was Serene who mentioned to him that in her schooling, like, oh, you just oh, draw these three he- you just draw these three lines because it matches up with the with the the mountain or the the coastline and the river or something like that. And then the dot in the middle is the city of Elantris. So it was you actually know that we would have heard so many emails about. Yeah, you got it wrong. <laughs> like you should have done yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, yep. So Serene <laughs> was actually the one who mentioned that, but she didn't like she didn't like link it. But her mentioning that to Rayadin was what allowed him to get those two things together properly. So. Yep. Yep. That that is so. You know, I love how you kind of like weave these inner like these storylines together in this book and uh yeah because they were in each other's lives that's why yep he made the connection yep so speaking of sereni let's move on to her uh so she is a princess of another country to across the sea to the north uh in a land called Tayod. is that how you pronounce it Tayod? Man, and, this is the part where I want to go back in time and tell myself to make a recording of all of the correct enunciations, <laughs> especially because I have the book. I'm like Rayadin, like I need to do better for the listeners. <laughs> okay, um, sorry, continue. But yeah, so she is the princess of Tayod, and she is sent south into Arlon because she's betrothed to uh, Rayadin, and but before she gets there. Raiden is, of course, sent into Elantris, as we talked about earlier. And so now she is just kind of in Arlon, and she doesn't really know what to do with herself. The problem is the there was uh, an alliance that was part of this marriage contract. And technically speaking, um, the contract is still valid, even though because once the contract was made, they were technically already married. They just hadn't had the ceremony, I guess, yet. So the the marriage is still valid, which means the alliance between Arlon and Teod is still sound. So instead of returning to Teod because Raiden is no longer there, she decides to stay in Arlon to keep the alliance and to become part of the court of Arlon and just be a part of that society now. So she's basically doing it for her country to to keep them safe, uh, basically from some other outsiders, um, uh, a nation called Fjordan, uh, which we'll talk about with the next character. Um, but yeah, what do you, what do you think of, what do you think of Serene? I thought she was, uh, she's pretty witty. She's pretty, uh, she's pretty fast on her, with her mind. She's 
She's politically savvy. She's like the um so Hraithen and Diloff are our um Yep. They're like the people coming into the city trying to like cause civil upheaval and like kind of an overturn in government. And yeah. she is like their um she like thwarts them. Like yeah. that's her plan is to like and so yeah, she's very quick on her feet. Um and she has like this whole um like identity crisis almost with like yep she she feels like homely and she's being uh married off and she is in love with a prince who is now dead uh in dead. her she yeah in quotation marks, I'm doing that with my fingers. Um, so she had like all this expectation about what it was going to be like to connect with someone that she intellectually like looked yep. up to because yep. she doesn't have anyone in her life that she actually looks up to intellectually. Yep. So that's Rayadin. Um, and then he's all of a sudden like out of the equation and they had felt fallen in love through like letters. They both like were inspired by the other person. which And they you know, can communicate all- through their, their seance. Yeah, they're Seons. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, it's sort of like a, if you've seen Star Wars, like the, what do they call those? Um, where they do the communications. Holograms? Yeah, the holograms. It's basically like a fantasy version of holograms where their like, face is projected by the Seon. The yeah. So there, there's a description that they're kind of like a ball and they like have like, light like shining a, Like out. a ball of light, essentially. Yep. But yeah. they're but they're sentient. Yep, and they have their own like personality, and they like, yeah. Uh, Sio, um, Serini's Sion is like a big. I don't know. Foil is the correct word. Like you get to hear a lot of her thought process by her talking to her Sion. Yep. Um. So that was an interesting uh, dynamic, and. Yeah, and then it's interesting plot twist where she gets thrown into Elantris because um, now I'm not sure how she gets the quote unquote shayod. Is it like Hraithen? Um Yeah, it was. Remember, he ordered that poison <clears throat> from that mm-hmm. one monk that he knew from a long time ago. Yeah, who was kind of like the hippie, like, "Hey yeah, yeah, man, yeah. what's up?" <laughs> Can you, I I'll need, you I a need a, she's like, I need a poison that does this, this, and this. Can you make it? And he's like, oh yeah, I can do that. So like, but, grab, yeah, he gets all of his mushrooms and his like roots and he puts them all in a, a big pot and he stirs it all around. Yeah. Yep. He's, he's an apothecary guy. Yeah. So yeah, he gets that poison and then he uses one on himself. Hraithan does to get into Elantris to make it seem like he gets healed. And then he uses the other one that the one that he had left because I think some of them got destroyed. Um, mm-hmm. He uses the last one he has on Serini, too. Yeah. Which that was a, I don't know. That felt like a little too convenient to me in the plot. It was like, oh, I just happened to the the symptoms happened to just start showing showing as soon as she gets up to the up to the altar or whatever for her marriage. Oh, yeah. It was like, mm-hmm. I mean, come on. I guess it's dramatic, but. <laughs> Yeah, I could, it wasn't like I felt like Rayodin was very like because he was in his room when he found out and when he saw it like on himself. Yes. And then, yeah, 
Which, yeah, that's that's the one. normal way. The normal way it would happen is it would happen overnight and you woke up with it. But hers, it happened in the middle of the day randomly, which is a dead <laughs> giveaway that it wasn't a legitimate uh, sickness that she was getting. It was a, it, oh, was a yeah. it was a fake. So but I guess yep. I don't know. Nobody would nobody thought about it that hard because they're like, oh, no, the Shayad get out. So. And, Even though it's like not then, contagious, um, so like I don't know why they're so afraid, but oh well. Yeah, I guess it's different, and uh, different things are bad. Different things are bad. That's true. <laughs> <clears throat> totally joking. <laughs> um, so yeah, she she's a good character, and um, she also has her uncle there. Um, yeah, Keen or Kin. And yeah, I'm totally avoiding saying the names right now, so I just have to commit. K I I N. However you say Keen. it, that's the right way. However you say it, it's not. But um, yeah, so he is the uncle, and he's living in um, this country, and he has his three kids, and they kind of like shows Serene around and they kind of give her insight into what's going on in the city. Um, and I thought that was just relevant to bring up so um, the listeners would know more about the characters in the... Uh, yeah, she's kind of... Okay. She, like, finds herself in this... Because uh, she's coming to, a like, a... a a country in crisis essentially because their leadership is really disjointed. The King is unstable. There's this power from the East that's coming to try and invade and convert everybody to a new religion, uh, which is Fjordan. And, um, so, and she's trying to like get somebody better on the throne. So she finds herself in this group of, um, Dukes and barons and, and people of that kind of, political level who have uh political power to make things happen and they're trying to like strategize about how they can get the king off the throne iodon uh Raiden's father because he's kind of like an unstable person and he's they have this like weird political structure where the your power is basically tied to the amount of money you make so the only reason that iodon is king is because he makes the most money from everybody than compared to everybody else. So they're basically trying so to figure out ways to like have him lose money so they can put somebody else on the throne, but they also need to be careful because some of the other Dukes and stuff maybe would be worse than him. So they can't put somebody else that's worse than I done back in the throne. So they need to put a, a good person. And then there's just a ton of like political intrigue and, um, yeah, there's the stuff with Hrathen and the conversion, and he wants to convert the whole uh, country to this new religion. Um, so yeah, there's just a lot of like political and religious conniving and scheming going on in uh, Seren- Sereni's storyline. Yeah, I think her and Hrathen, like he ends up falling in love with her, which was <laughs> yeah, very which interesting. Was very, yeah, that was interesting. At the very, but end, I could also like see his, it happening at the same dying time. Breath, spoiler: Hrathen dies. Um, like but, he he viewed her as an equal which yeah, is saying really something um because yeah. he went to another pl- like another country and like basically yeah corrupted it and took it down yeah and that's no like 
that's no mean feat. That's something amazing. Like you have to be very talented and skilled. And for Serini to like match wits with him and then to best him, yep. like I could see that being like, wow, this person is impressive. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I, I like that about uh, Serini. She was like, a, I think in one of my little post-its that I wrote in my notes talked about like how she was uh, like a model for, like apologetics, like how to like defense of the faith, like poking holes in other people's uh, arguments about their specific faiths and how they think about things. And she was like, Oh my God. She just like Sorry, picks them apart. And he's like, ah, what? I did not expect anything like this to happen. And he was like really caught off guard by somebody who actually has had knowledge of his religion and was able to show the, basically like the, the flaws in his religion um, that, most people, if you're just listening to a sermon, like they're not going to pick up on, but she was smart enough to be able to like see the distinctions in the faiths and what was wrong about his faith. So yeah, I think that was, it was really good. Yeah. And and she like, you know, um, she was like learned and she read in a book, like, this is the argument you need to make when you hear this argument from Hraithan basically. Yep. Um, but I want to go back to something real quick. I doing vacation Bible school with a bunch of like um, elementary age kids, and we're learning about um, the parable of the sower and how God made everything for us. Yep. And if you think about it, like every tree on the planet was made for us to enjoy. Every blade of grass, uh, every flower, every biome that we visit. Um, yep. There's just like that's all made for us, and it devolved into this kid saying, well, God didn't make Fortnite. (laughs) And so my response to that is yes, he did. Like we are given everything on the planet to like, and you know what humans did? They made Fortnite. And that was because of, you know, think about the computers that are being used, like the technology that the humans, human minds have created to get to the point where we can have games like yeah. Fortnite and we couldn't make the computers with the nat- without the natural elements in the earth. And those things are were taken by humans and we're creating yep. something so far from that mineral in the earth to this computer that can output video files and everything. Yep. And it's all to God's glory. Yep. And, um, I was trying to explain that to him in like two seconds, <laughs> like while we were singing a song, he was not, he was not dancing and he was not, well, he did, God didn't make Fortnite. And I was like, come on, man. <laughs> it's, he'll, it's he'll, such a, like, it's such a hilarious uh, story. I just had to say it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think one thing with the, one thing I thought was odd that happened in Serini's storyline was like how easily she was able to get into this like boys club with all of the, the Dukes and like basically become part of the inner circle. And I don't know. I just like, it was weird to me because they, this is obviously like a secret group because they don't want the King to like know that they're trying to overthrow him. And to just let some princess just like walk in and like within a week, she's like in the, in this secret group with them and trying to plot to like overthrow a government. I don't know. It was a little, I thought that was a little odd, but maybe it should have yeah, taken there, longer. There were but. a few moments in the book where I was like, it's a little too convenient. Yeah. Um, the argument was though in the book was she was about to be our queen. Yes. True. Like that was the argument. Like 
we need to treat this person with respect. Yep. And, you know, maybe it's, you know, maybe Raiden spoke highly of her and, you know, yep. they know the caliber of person he is. Yep. Um, but yeah, there was a little whiff of, this is a little convenient here. <laughs> but yep. that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think her character was just really well done and showing um, like how she didn't like fit in in basically any other situation she was in throughout life. And like, even when she goes to Arlon, she's with like that group of women and she tries to teach them about like how to fence and stuff like that. And like, she's still, um, she's still kind of like, I think she says at one point, like they'll respect me, but I'll never be one of them. Like she'll never be part of like the crew, part of the team seen as like yep. an equal. There's always like some kind of, she'll, a, she'll always be an other. Yeah. She'll be, there'll be like a, bar- a barrier between her and the other people. And I don't know. Yeah. I think it was just interesting to like watch her kind of go through that process. Cause that's like been her reality her whole life essentially. And like sure, she was putting yeah. all of her eggs in like the red and basket. And I was like, Oh, finally she's going to be able to get um, some good things in her life. But like, no, nah, just like the rug sweeped out from under her too bad. So sad kind of a deal. So, Dream crusher. Yeah, essentially. So <clears throat> yeah, but like she's such a strong character that she's able to just take that in stride and like make the best of whatever situation she's in. And yeah, I just thought it was, just really well done. Like she does have a lot of it's, flaws as a character, but she's just able to like use all of the gifts that she's been given to like push through and uh, make the best out of a bad situation. Yeah. I think that's like, you know, God calls us to use our spiritual gifts to like the fruit of the spirit. That's when you like make things thrive and make things grow. And she was good at pouring into things to make things thrive and to make things grow. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then, and then, like the marriage between Raiden and um, Serini, like what what a good pair, you know. He's like, you know, a very yes. good man, and she's a very good woman. And then, like yep. together, they're like synergizing and doing more goodness. Yep. <laughs> yeah, like Raiden's wisdom and political knowledge, and Serini's political savvy as well. Like they're gonna make a very good like king and queen duo to like, let's just call a them a power couple. They're, They're going to be power a power couple. couple. Yeah. They are certainly a power couple. <laughs> Cause he literally can wield magic. <laughs> yeah. So he's like literally the powerful, like magical yep. person. Um, I, I kind of thought that like eventually I kind of thought that maybe she would actually become an Elantrian and then they would together meet an Elantris and then just, just like discover it together and then come out and save the day but it kind of went in like a little bit of a different, uh, different way. Um, but yeah, a different way, <clears throat> not a bad way. Just, uh, it was just different. Brandon had other plans. That's right. <laughs> All right. That's enough about Serini. Let's move on to Hraithan and, uh, his friend Dilaf, his, Dilof. his, his art, his Arteth, his, or his, so he thinks this is our death, but um, yeah. What did you think of, what did you think of Hraithan? Oh, Hraithan is such a character in his bright red armor, like marching yeah. through the street. <laughs> and then he, I love the scene uh, when he gets the Sheod quote unquote, um, and he's in the city and he's showing how devout he is. You know, it's, it's complete 
you know, um, shenanigans. He's uh, it's a charade because yep. he, he doesn't have it, and he's praying for healing. Um, like prays then, for like, three days the, straight, and then the Elantrians like attack him uh, from the other gang, and he just like beats <laughs> the crap out of them. Yeah, <laughs> that that was a pretty awesome scene. I was just yeah, that like, was a cool yeah, scene. that's that's cool. Which if he um, was, if so, he did actually have the Shayad, he would have like massive hand pain, and he'd like never be able to use that hand again because yep, he punched them so exactly. hard. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I love how he's like physically fit and like he's ready to like take care of himself. Yeah, he's like um, a he's like a warrior monk. He's like a a warrior for the faith, like a like a paladin. That's a, if you play D anD D, he's like a paladin. Yeah, he's like a yeah, he's a like good. a holy warrior who he has a righteous fury. And uh, um, yeah, so he so, so one of his secrets is that um. So they all serve Jedith. Um, yeah. That's like their god's name. And they have the hierarchy where um, there's like one person who communicates with Jedith, who is God. In, on, in their eyes, God is Jedith. And then there's one like prophet. So anything that that guy writes um, is considered scripture and it's from God, but he is the only one connected directly to him. And then they have this servant system where you serve one above your station and you serve that person wholly because it's all for the greater good of Jedith. And um, so he is like third from the top. He is not at the bottom of the ranks, you know, because he's toppled a whole nation He's yep. good at what he does. Yeah. Um, and so he's here to topple this new nation for Jedith. And he has a direct, basically a message from God saying, you must do this, even yep. though it's written out, you know, by the, the prophet connected to God. Yep. Um, and so I, I, I think that's a very interesting hierarchy. And uh, just his in- internal monologue about how to, like, dominate the minds of people. Um, and when he had that back and forth with Sereni when they meet in the street and he's, like, talking. Yep. And she starts questioning him and he fumbles and he drops the ball. Yep. Um, you know, it- it's interesting to hear his interior monologue. And so he's kind of like the more stoic character. And then you have Diloph, who is the fiery angry he's like the the religious zealot yeah and then um when um hraithen comes to town he's like he commands diloph to like join him and serve him even though it's kind of a reckless move because diloph is kind of reckless um oh and i loved hearing the way brandon sanderson described like the different preaching styles between hraithen and uh, diloph Um, how he was like fiery and passionate and he talked about his eyes like darting and moving around while he was speaking and how he yeah. really like spoke to like the souls of people and yeah. um, and Hraithen was all about like speaking the truth to people. Yeah, um, very logical, like going through like the religious processes and taking people through like a, a process through the through the, the sermon essentially. But yeah. both of them still having deep faith. And yes. uh, living it out in like in their own communication styles. Yep. Um, and so Diloph is so there's a there's different 
temples, I think, that serve Jedith. And one of these places you can go to is like a monastery and become these like twisted monks. I, um, I think it's and decor. They, decor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so both of them have been through the process. So Diloph is full like decor and that means he's like super strong and um basically the ultimate fighter yeah and, we don't um, we don't find this out though until the very end of the book oh yeah it's like right at the end there but Harathan, we just proceed with everything is revealed <laughs> yeah Rathan is like he didn't uh he didn't go he started at decor but he left like halfway through or whatever, because yeah, through the transformation process to yeah, be the twisted he did, monk. He guy. didn't want to. He didn't want to do it, so he left and he went to a different monastery. So he didn't actually like complete it, but he knows like about that place because he had he was there at one point in his life. And, and Diloph was there too, like yeah. fifty years before, and he was the one that like tortured him essentially, and. Yep. <clears throat> He said, like, you commanded someone to kill themselves for a distance you could have walked in, like, um, a short amount of time. And he's like, and it turns out that Diloph is actually uh, level Greg Det or something, which is yeah. the, like, the number two position, you know, yep. so one above um, Hraithen. Yeah. And so actually, he's supposed to be um, subservient to right. Diloph. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And he's and he's been acting uh and Diloph is leading all of these twisted monks on an attack on the city because they're gonna purge the city. Um yep. yeah, so I mean that is just Brandon Sanderson just like yep. that that's the avalanche you were talking about earlier. Yeah. I thought it was interesting with <clears throat> with that Diloph reveal where he's like this ultra powerful monk person where mm-hmm. like the only at the end of the story, he's like he's fighting Raiden, and Diloph is able to basically like uh, counteract the the magic of Raiden. Yeah, negate the door. Yeah, I mean, like only Diloph is be, is able to do that, and his other monks are not able to do that. And that, that's right. I think mm-hmm. he said something about like Raiden said that he had to like have fifty other monks like sacrifice themselves, like basically die. Oh, wow in order for him to like gain this power. So he had to like basically kill 50 of his other fellow monks to like absorb. It's like a blood sacrifice almost like he, like they uh-huh. die so he can absorb like their power in some way. Um, yeah. I just thought that was, that's pretty, pretty dark. So Brandon's not afraid to like write some, some dark stuff into his books. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it, that hey, was that's a, what makes it interesting, right? Yeah, for sure. I love those like really interesting little reveals about how the magic system works. That's why and, he's a good world builder, man, yeah. because you're just like, yeah, it's very interesting. <clears throat> like, yep. I mean, he is, t- you know, I just think about like how much love he pours into this book, you know, to create this world for you because he thinks about these little things that yep. like he makes sure that it's grounded in some sense. Like it just doesn't come out and. In the book, it comes out of nowhere, but like when you look at it, he's built it into the story throughout. Like there's little breadcrumbs here and there. Yes. Like they're pretty small breadcrumbs, but you know, just yeah. that world building. And then we go back to God building our world. Every corner, like every pocket of the earth is here for us to like explore yeah. and enjoy. Yep. So much love from God. Yep. 
um, one thing I enjoyed seeing with Raithan is like his like in the, in the quote that I read at the beginning about how like what the what the book was all about that Brandon quote. Um, Raithan's part is a priest having a crisis of faith. So I think I right. really enjoyed just seeing him like come up against difficulty after difficulty and how he tackles that with his faith. So he has the difficulty with Serene, like poking holes in his uh, arguments and his sermons that he's preaching. And then he has the difficulty with Diloph where he like questions his own faith. Like, why am I not like a zealous person? Like, why am I like a logical person yeah. and not like, why don't I have the emotion of Diloph essentially is what he's questioning. And so he's wondering like, why do I not have enough faith or what I, if I had more faith, would I be like that? Stuff like that. Um, and then he has like the, like the final crisis where he realizes I like Diloph wants to do abhorrent things in the name of his faith. And Hraithan is like, nah, I can't go that far. Like you've twisted the words of our God essentially. And I love, mm-hmm. there was like a quote towards the very end where he, he said something like, I don't have a problem with God. I have a problem with the the Wern, the Wern or whatever, which is the guy like directly below God, like the Pope essentially. So like, <clears throat> I love that where he, he recognizes like the difference between trusting in God and trusting in man. So like, he's like, he was getting all this stuff from like the, 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 the human leader and not actually from God. And he's now questioning, like, I can't really trust what the human leaders are telling me because there's a there's a conflict here between what I believe about God and what the people in charge are saying and telling me to do that I know to be wrong. So yep. yeah, I thought that was like a really good like crisis of faith, and we can certainly have parallels to that in like various religions throughout history and in Christianity, like people trusting in the Pope and stuff like that, and Catholicism and trusting in man instead of actually trusting in who is the Messiah, Jesus. So, Anna, do you have any thoughts on that? I, I'm i just agreeing with you, like, completely. <laughs> like, I don't know about you, but I've looked at people, I'm like, you know, when they're in worship and they have their hands up in the air, like, oh, yeah. in the rows and stuff. And Like, um, why don't I do that? <laughs> yeah. I'm the, I'm the chosen and frozen. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, yeah, I mean, those are things that, Christians struggle with like, you know, so I, I think that, you know, I like that Brandon builds, you know, the religious element into his, um, into his fiction because it gives us a great dialogue to talk about because it's a fictional place, but we all struggle with those same things. Um, and like, we think that people, we look at people and we say, why can't I be like that? And, um, have you heard the quote? comparison is the thief of joy and i jenna and i believe that full heartedly that when we start looking sideways and not looking at god um that it just robs the like yep it just robs the the goodness that god has for us like we need to be focused on what we're doing for god and not what people over here are doing everyone's on their own like boat and ship and they're moving yep. towards something and we always want it to be moving yep. towards God and not looking laterally. Yeah. I mean, comparison at the end of the day is the, what is that? The 10th commandment? Thou shalt not covet. That's basically what it is, is you're saying 
why sure, don't yeah. why don't I have what that person has or why am I why is my personality not like this other person if I was like them I'd be a better person or I'd be a a better employee a better husband or you know whatever it is fill in your blank and yeah you're definitely you're like you just lose the the joy of life because you're constantly saying I never have enough or I never am enough but the the great thing about the gospel is like you're never going to be enough and that's okay. Jesus was enough for you. So mm-hmm. that's that's like the hope and the message of the gospel where it's like we can't we can't do it on our own so Jesus did it for us. And so yeah. that's that's the, that's where we get our identity and where where our joy comes from. Yeah. And we're we're just so like called to take care of the things that we're involved with. Like I think even thinking of it as simply as that, like if I'm involved in something, like I am there to help push its agenda forward. And even if I have to like sacrifice some time and some effort, like you want to do it well and invest in other people's goals too. Um, Because that's how we thrive together is when we're we're being Christians, we're living in community and we are giving ourselves to other people so that they can, we can see the fruit of the spirit on their plate and on your neighbor's plate. yeah. Because we're investing time and value, value, making those relationships valuable. Yeah, for sure. And it's like, why, why do we uh, like compare ourselves instead of like instead of comparing ourselves to other people, we should be joyful that those the, those people have those gifts given to them. Like God gave them those gifts, and He gave you other gifts. And it's not that one person has better gifts than the other person. It's just your gifts are different in a way and we should all, that's part of like the body of Christ where we all have yep, different exactly and unique gifts and we have things that are, that were only given to us. And the, the person that you might be envying for whatever they have, they might be doing the same thing back to you. They might be saying, why am I not like, why am I not like Tyler? I wish I was like, like him. And then I'm saying, why am I not like Gabe? I say that sometimes. Both, I kind of wish I was We're both like comparing ourselves to each other where instead we should be saying, Gabe is awesome and Gabe's saying Tyler's awesome and we're both um we're both just in the presence of the Lord, you know. So it's Yeah, the, using the gifts and and like making like we're making something new here together and yep. it's fun. And yeah, we definitely. both into it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um Yeah. Um I don't know. Back what to Brathen. Yeah, back to Brathen. <laughs> Little we are like there. we are like the kings of side quests right now. Yeah, kings of side quests. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Do you have any other any other little little plot things with Rathen that you enjoyed or? Hmm. Um, I think we've pretty much hit a lot of the big ones with his crisis of faith and um, him realizing he doesn't want to. He wants to follow God, not man. Essentially, is what it comes down to, and he he realizes that he's been following man this whole time. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, I, I just thought, um, yeah, I mean, the the Hraithan storyline was so fun to follow. Um, yeah, it was it was good. I found myself really enjoying the like the philosophical discussions between uh, him and Diloph because Diloph is like, we're going to like burn down the system. We're going to kill everybody and all this stuff. And Hraithan's like. <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. We're going to do this like really logically. We're going to, this is our goal. We're going to do this thing because of X, Y, and Z. And we're not just going to run out here and like do whatever because, yeah. because we're passionate about our thing. And 
yeah in uh, in education yeah in education we call that systems thinking so knowing how to drive like the different parts of the system like when you try and adjust something you can't just adjust the thing you have to find the the gears that are turning you know like in a business like i've worked in schools my whole life so the way the curriculum is going to affect the teachers and then that also affects the administrators on how they're going to report on this change of curriculum and then like new standards come in and you have to adjust for that like how do you scaffold the teachers understanding of that and build them up so that they can deliver um and Crathen understands that he understands the different systems that exist and how to manipulate them to get his result and Diloff just has passion yeah <laughs> he's like an engineer he's like pulling all the little levers like i'm gonna do this thing and then this is gonna have this effect over here and then once that happens then i can pull this other lever and then this other thing's gonna happen because of what i did before and it's like this, and he's, he's doing like, it with people which yeah. is impressive yeah so he it's hard like he doesn't because you never know people might react differently than what you think they would but yeah he's very he's very crafty in how he he knows how people will respond to certain things that he does like with his sermons or, and then he was also able to like use like play deal off like him and like, they're both uh, like different types of sermon styles. Like he was able to like deal off was able to start and like get them all fired up. And then Rathan was able to come in and be like, okay, now you're all fired up. Now here's the plan. Here's what we're going to do. And he's very logical about it. And he's able to give them like, steps like okay now that you're excited about this faith thing here's our next yep. steps and our logical thing that we're going to do to kind of like convert the convert the country essentially so yeah it takes so much like like i love reading how brandon sanderson would do this like if he was in this situation because this is basically yep. his game plan if yep. he's ever a horathan in some imaginary planet well he's a but, he's, uh, a, he's know, a mormon if you didn't know so Oh, I did not know. Yeah, so um, he's going to convert. Hey, I like some of, Mormons. I like yeah. Stephen Covey. He's my favorite Mormon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've learned so much from Stephen Covey. Um, but yeah, so I I thought Story Arc is great with Freythan. <laughs> awesome. All right, I think we're getting a little high on time here. So we will, I think we'll just call it right there with the characters. Um on a DFA, hey, we, just we last... talked about a lot. I'm, yeah, we I'm did. Do you have any just that. last thoughts about like all of the characters together? And you don't really get them all together until the very end. Um, yep. Cause they're all That's kind of in the their own separate little places. Um, yeah. All the threads mm-hmm. come together in the end. So um, yeah, I don't know. I think it was just cool to kind of see Rathan come in at the end and be the one who's saving our other two main characters. Whenever he was against them for basically the whole book. Like he was against Elantris, aka Rayodin, and he was against Serene and trying to keep the the religion from converting or the the country from converting to the other religion. And then he, but he's the one who actually comes back and saves them at the very end. And without him, they probably would have died. So I think it's interesting. Like their 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 enemy for the entire book now becomes their savior in a way, which was that was a, was a good way to end. I think twisty. Cause like you're, you're like, you're rooting for Hraithan to like, like I enjoy Hraithan. It's like, you think he's a great character, but he's like on the wrong side, essentially. Like everything about you is great. But if you were just on our side, it would be like, 
you'd be like the best character ever. Right. So yeah, it was cool to see him finally come over. He does. It's not that he like, he doesn't convert to another religion, but he sees like the heirs in his own religion. He's able to recognize those and realize I'm actually doing the wrong thing here, even though my gods or my supposed God says that it's the good, says it's what I should do. So, yeah. I, you know, I had a conversation with a pastor today about that very thing. Um, being with God and, and discovering the Holy Spirit, it's about an introspective journey. And yes. I love that you brought that up yep. um, because, you know, as I'm developing stuff for Quarantine Quartermaster, I think I'm going to have one question that's going to kind of center all of my stuff. And the question is, should I? We can do so many things, but the question is, should you? And mm-hmm. um, I think that people have just behavioral patterns that they don't know any other way. They were raised in a family that had certain behavioral patterns. They called them yep. the family of origin. And you take those with you into your individual life and into your marriage. Yep. And then if you have kids, into your family. And sometimes we just don't take a step back and look at those things and saying, are these productive are yes. these generating the fruit of our spirit, like yep. in our lives? Um, and I think that is a journey of introspection. And I'm yep. um, in my seventh, eighth year of that, you know, with my walk with Christ, and I'm seeing the fruit in my life. I have, I have a lot of fruit. <laughs> I am so uh, thankful um, to yeah. God and everything He does. Um, and it's through obedience that I've, I've yep. been trying to walk in his ways and through self-reflection. So yeah. I'm just going to piggyback on your idea. <laughs> <laughs> but that like that whole process, like it's not an easy process. Like there's probably some behaviors where you're like, oh, I really like that behavior and I'd like to continue doing it. But you're like, oh, but I really shouldn't because it's bringing it's not bringing anything good in my life. It just it's not it's not a fruit that bears behavior. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's not, it's a, not behavior a behavior that bears, that bears good fruit. fruit. Yeah, 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 for sure. That reminds me of. Um, I didn't read the book, but the movie. Um, uh, what's it called? I can't remember it now. It's uh, where the guy he was like in a trailer, like trailer park, and his like grandma helps him get out of the. Um, hillbilly elegy. That's what it is. Hillbilly elegy, and it basically oh. just follows him like like escaping this pattern of behavior in his family. And it's basically like, because his mom's like a drug addict and she can't help him. And his, his grandma realizes like, if anyone's going to break the cycle, like someone just has to like put their foot down and say, no, you're not going to behave like this because it's going to just, you're going to end up like everybody, other kid in the same neighborhood. And you're going to, you're going to always do the same thing over and over. It's just going to be a big cycle and nothing's ever going to change. And until somebody says, no, we're going to change how we behave. We're going to do things differently because that is going to be how we can get out of the cycle and build wealth and like get out of the, get out of our poverty area here. And it's painful because you're going to be different the whole way. And you're going to have to like make tough decisions and all these, all these things. But in the end, it's going to bear out good fruit and it's going to be like a benefit in your life, even though it's hard and it's hard and you're going through it. And in the beginning, but at the end, you realize how beneficial and how good it was for you. Yeah, it seems like your walk has kind of walked you in the direction that you want to go. And when I was talking to Pastor Chris about this, um, she was just mentioning the um, 
the cyclical nature of it for people in a low socioeconomic status, they yep. don't know how to break out um, yes. and and find, you know, because there are patterns of behaviors that have been drilled in for generations that, yep. um, and it's hard, you know, when the educational system is, is taxed and stressed, um, you know, those are the, the adults that are in trying to invest and grow those kids out, um, yep. you know, it's tough in those situations. So yep. um, whenever we can invest in other people and especially the needy, God wants us to take care of the needy and the widows. Um, if there's someone in, you know, yep. your life like that, please go out and give them a hand and um, yeah, try sure. and lift their burden a little bit, lift them up. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, we can apply the same kind of stuff to like combating sin in our own life. Like a lot of times we like to sin because it feels good or it's enjoyable to us or whatever oh, it yeah. is, but it always does. That's just our but sinful also- nature, but it's, and it's difficult yep. to say no to like those temptations and those things we want to do, but maybe intellectually we know that they're, they're bad. Um, but we just do them anyways because we like it or, um, you know, whatever it is, but the fruit that they produce well, the lack of fruit they produce is, it's clearly, it's clearly evident, but it's only through like hard work and obedience to God that we can actually produce the fruits of the spirit. So, yeah, I don't know how we got on that topic with whatever we were talking about before, <laughs> but that's probably a good, a good place to end on some kind of Christian, uh, Amen. Christian, Christian I, moral I there. So, um, <laughs> yeah. All right. So thanks for, uh, watching or listening this episode of the podcast um so the next episode will be part two of a laundress discussion we'll be looking at some of the world stuff more specifics things related to the magic system and uh the religions comparing the different religions in this book we talked a little bit about some of those in this episode but we'll go more in depth um next episode which will be in two weeks because this is uh every two or two episodes every month once every other week um yes if you want to learn more about pages of light and content that we have you can head over to our website pagesoflight.com you'll find blog posts and youtube links and links to this podcast of course and you can follow us on all the social media platforms facebook instagram goodreads rumble MeWe, all those things um i'm personally on parlor if you want to follow me there i at i am tyler thomas and yeah, Gabe, where can people follow you again? The only th- place I have, neighborhoodnerdservices.com. I think I'm going to make a quarantine quartermaster page and just have it be neighborhoodnerdservices.com slash QQ or quarantine quartermaster <laughs> or something. Hey, there um, you go. So, but that is not built, but I think it will be. At some point it will be built. Yes. Yep. Um, yeah, so links to all of those things that I just mentioned will be in the description, of course. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast and you got value out of it, make sure you support us. You can leave us a review on your podcast app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're at. Um, you can also share it with your friends on social media or just in person. If you say, hey, I found this cool podcast, and let them know. And if they like Brandon tell Sanderson, tell a friend. Or, yeah, tell a friend if they like Brandon Sanderson, if they like. Uh, doing Christian themes with all of your all these different types of books we'll be doing other things besides Brandon Sanderson podcast Um, it's not just Brandon Sanderson we'll be doing some other stuff so stay tuned for that Um, yeah I don't know Gabe you have any other closing thoughts 
Just find one person. Just tell one person to listen to Pages and Light podcast. Yeah, if everybody tells one person, then we'll like double our fan base in one day. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Let's do that. So, <clears throat> all right. That's a good place to end it. Uh, thanks for listening or watching. Remember to keep reading and to share the gospel with somebody this week. And we will see you guys in the next episode. See ya.